Hello, welcome to Bladespod. It is Wednesday, the 30th of January. My name is Ben. Joining me once again, it's Jay, Blades Analytic. How are you doing on this freezing cold but fairly sunny Wednesday, mate? Uh, a bit cold. I'm not very Yorkshire with my temperatures. I am Nesh, as they say. <laughs> That's the, the Lincolnshire in you, obviously. Um, <laughs> a, quite a... Uh, uh, an interesting week for United so far. Obviously, we've got the transfer deadline coming up tomorrow evening. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's look back to this weekend uh, just gone and what for me was a, a surprising result. Actually, I mean, if if you uh, you know happen to listen to our previous podcast, I was pretty pessimistic going into that Norwich City game, uh, but we managed to get a a very creditable draw out of it. Um, you know, we, we've kind of spoken that United are not great against top six sides, particularly away from home. Norwich themselves not great against top six sides as it transpires, but. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is the one game that I didn't expect us to to get anything out of, and as it as it turns out, we were uh, very good value for uh, at least a point. I think um, is is that fair? You were obviously there. You, you saw it with with your own eyes. Is that a, an accurate sort of game flow summary? You reckon? I saw it one eyed. I think <laughs> we need to be quite clear about that. There was a slight level of inebriation going on. Um, yeah, I'd go further. I'd say we probably were the team that, if any team deserved to win on the second half alone, it would have been us. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, I, uh, sorry, go on. Go on, go on, mate. Go on, go on. Well, I was just going to say, so I I, didn't, I actually didn't get to see any of this live. I just watched um, the sort of extended highlights afterwards. But yeah, half-time, I, I sort of checked in on the stats and saw that, you know, it was kind of pretty even, you know, Norwich about the same kind of shots as us. And then... Come full time, we'd ended up with I think it was fourteen shots inside the box. The uh, XG timelines for for the actual game had us comfortably ahead. I think it was you know it was close to two versus about zero point seven something like that. So you know created yeah. uh, created the better chances. Um, yeah, I mean I mean the interesting thing for me was that we obviously went with a a changed starting team. We went with Medine and Dowell in for um, Duffy and McGoldrick, which was. To some extent, a surprise. Although you know, on our last pod, you'd said I could. You said that you could understand. Uh, you could understand Dowell starting in this one. Um, yep. And we'd also talked about how Norwich are actually one of the the weaker teams in the league when it comes to uh, winning headers, basically. Um, so, kind of made sense to some extent to go with Medine there. Um, did that work? I mean, the, the, obviously, we made the changes in the second half and brought on. Um, excuse me, brought on Duffy and McGoldrick and, you know, ended up creating way more shots in the second half. But, you know, how much of that was down to the first half, the team not being effective and how much of it was just the state of the game and just the way it went? Uh, great question. Um, <laughs> I, I think probably the state of the game in this scenario was was probably bigger than anything else. So in the first half, Norwich came flying at us in the first 30 minutes. We didn't create anything at all. Um, and, and they could quite conceivably have been two up. Um, and the, the pace with which the, the, they were playing at and the kind of the movement and rotation their midfield had, it just it killed us. Um, and and Dowell, that wasn't his game. That's not why I think I would have or, or Wilder would have suggested playing Kieran Dowell. What Dowell did do well was was in transition. So whenever United did have a counter-attack, you could see with Kieran Dowell on the pitch, we, we posed a little bit more threat running with the ball. Um, as soon as he got in open space, he's not exactly fast, but he's quite he's quite technical. He's quite fluid with the ball at his feet, mm. so he's he's quite stridey, if you know what I mean. So he's you know big stride lengths. He's taking the ball on quite good yards each time. And, and Norwich were, were panicky in transition, but to be honest, 
the whole first 35 minutes we were spent generally out of possession and, and trying to set a, a decent block and press when we could mm. and Dowell just had no clue really as to where he should have been it, it showed the importance of Duffy off the ball it really did that, that that's those two in a, a nutshell at this minute uh, Dowell was just you can see it in the stands it wasn't just me there was fans around uh, you know quite intelligently saying you know he, he's just not quite sure where to be here yeah. the Norwich midfield just their rotation the way that Buendia just dropped in the number 10 hole Steeperman was just floating all around the pitch and, and Dowell just wasn't sure do I need to drop in and make a flat three do I need to go press high when he did press high it left Fleck and uh, Norwood exposed and then when they did press he didn't so the midfield line was just bypassed with one good pass from the back and it you know it did cause us issues it did um, in regards to Medin I thought Medin was very good um, excellent first half he, he held the ball up well he probably tried too hard to set up Billy Sharp there's a couple of times in the box where the, the ball fell to Medine after some, you know, a bit of battling and you think he'd just hit it. You know, you're in the box, just hit it, they might block it, but he's trying to pass it into Billy and it kind of broke down. And, I, you know, I genuinely think he was trying too hard to try and do something good rather than being overconfident, if you will, and just smashing it himself. But you could, the effect that Medine had was one of the reasons we won the penalty. Mm. Um, throughout the whole of the first half, our attacks were all about the wings, getting crosses into the box. We tried to cross early, we tried to cross from the touchline, very dark play. But every time the ball was near Medine, there was shirt pulling, there was pushing, they just couldn't deal with him physically. Um, you know, and he's not exactly winning the headers, but what he was, that presence was enough to the point where it built enough of appeal up where you knew you could sense it in the stand, the ref was going to give the next one, hmm. the next decent call. All the fans around us were just, begging someone, you know, to get nipping in front of the ball like Ender did for the penalty because it was coming. Um, and, and that was the, the the benefit of having Medine up top. Whenever we were under pressure, we could lift our heads and we could play we could play long, but we didn't just lump it. That was mm. the difference from the Swansea game. We actually played to his chest a lot. So he, he was able to chest it down and bring others into play and work off of him. It was actually really good. Um, and those two looked a good partnership, to be fair, um, other than Medine tiring quite significantly after the second half. But yeah, the first half was a, was a battle. Mm. We had to stay in the game. Uh, Henderson made three saves compared to Tim Krull's none. Norwich had four shots on target. We only had one. We blocked five shots in the first half. It was it was a bit of an attritional battle. We had to stay in there. Um, and we also made the most tackles in the first half as well. We made 11 out of 14 tackles. So we were busy. <laughs> Let's we, just say uh, that. I, I noticed this, just brought it up now, but EFL stats on Twitter, we actually made more tackles. Uh, sorry, we made, no one else in the division made as many tackles uh, in this round of games as United did. 26 tackles in the whole game, apparently. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to, I suppose you have to give credit to, to Norwich, really. I, I was thinking this earlier, it's kind of weird that we've we've taken four points off them this season, but I have to say, they are probably the one team that I would be most uh, afraid of playing in the playoffs just yeah. because of the the speed and sort of skill that they have. I mean, you know, Hernandez is a, a really, really handy looking player. Buendia, I mean, you know, I mentioned last week, I'd, I've not actually heard of this kid before, but having sort of seen it in action now against us, it is a bit like, woof, that guy's got some skill. Uh, Pukki as well, you know, just banging in the goals for fun. I actually thought um, his goal, uh, so to put Norwich back in front, I actually, I watched it probably four or five times before I, I worked out that it wasn't deflected. It was just yeah. like this kind of perfectly Flick. whipped fin. Yeah, f- flicked yeah. it into the far corner. It was a, a fantastic finish. Um, and yeah, as you say, I mean, again, to hark back to the previous podcast, you know, you said 
uh, you know, the way that Norwich plays, it's kind of like uh, mid-tempo until they get to the final third, and then it it just clicks, and everything is is like uh, this, you know, sequence of very fast-moving parts. And you could definitely see that in the first goal, which was you know brilliant. The way they kind of just slice through us, I guess. And then I think it was uh, Buendia also managed to get in one-on-one as well and uh, and put it yeah. over. Um, so yeah, just a really really good looking. Uh, attacking team Norwich, but here we are. We, uh, you know, as you say, we 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 kind of weathered that storm. We probably me and you more as much as anyone, I think, have kind of talked about uh, our need to stay in games when we've been up against it and to kind of get something out of these tight games. I mean, you you know, you don't have to go back very far to find an example of us not doing that. I mean, just Swansea away the previous week, you know, very very tight game where you could say we des- definitely deserve something from and got nothing, and yet here we are. We were away at the. Uh, second place team in the league and we managed to come back into it the when sharp scored the penalty i don't know whether you thought this but i i immediately thought of the billy sharp streak where we never lose <laughs> when sharp scores i think it's 47 games now something like that under so this goes this goes right back to wilder taking over it's not like an arbitrary yeah. selection of games going back to the last time we happened to lose when Sharp scored. It is literally every t- every game that Sharp scored in under Wilder, we are yet to lose, I believe. Um, but I thought, oh, nice. I thought, oh no, this is this is going to be the game that the streak ends in. And then when Norwich went 2-1 up, I thought, ah, yeah, it, it actually is. And yeah, to my delight and surprise, he only went and scored again and got his... Uh, Got us a well-deserved point and a, a very valuable one as well. I think so it, you know, not only gives us another point towards, you know, consolidating a playoff position potentially. Looking upwards, it takes two off one of our rivals as well. So, yeah, great. Uh, as you say, you know, been been good to get the win, but very very happy with that draw myself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were, we were outstanding in the second half. Mm. Let, let's get it right. Norwich, they are the they're the best side I've seen in this division. Mm. Uh, you know, you can talk about Leeds if you've watched them on Sky when they murdered Derby, uh, you know, and other times. Norwich are the best team in this division that we've played. That, without a doubt, that first half, we were playing well in the first half and still getting pushed back. That's how good Norwich were, you know. It, it, mm. And there was tactical reasons. So they, they absolutely highlighted Chris Basham and John Egan, the little channel between those two for Hernandez to run into because they just, they have no pace. Yeah. And he has a lot of it, you know, and that, that was clear. So we'll talk about the second half in a second because what Wilder did was very clever. Um, but, you know, we were outstanding in that second half. You, you, you can't... It was brilliant being there watching it because it was a proper game of football, this. This was much better than any bottom-of-the-league Premier League crash. These mm. two teams wouldn't look out of place. You know, they really wouldn't in the Premier League. I mean, in the second half, we had 10 shots to Norwich's two. We had two shots, only two shots on target, but we created two big chances. We hit the we hit the bar, yeah. and we had eight shots inside the box to Norwich's one. Dino didn't have to make a save all second half. Norwich had to out tackle, out clearance, and out interceptors in the second half. It, it really was. We had them on the back foot, um, and apart from you know the spell of pressure where they scored the second, and then a couple of other kind of spells where they had the ball in the final third, we defended brilliantly as well. Mm. We really did. You know, Egan was fantastic. Stevens was putting in so. I mean, he, he put in seven tackles, the most in the game. He was outstanding. And Stevens at left back. It, it is a lot. But then Tom Tribal for Norwich had to put in five. This game was just full of class everywhere. Mm. But I really, I really want to give props to Wilder and Alan Nil. Um, yeah, like, so let, let's talk about this then, because I saw some people say we, you know, we kind of changed to a back four in the second half. Is that right? Like move Basham up or, or what? Yeah. Tell me what happened here then. So we went four four two diamond. Um, right. And the reason for that was, was was quite clear. A to put Bash in the middle, um, you know, to try and try and 
push push on a little bit further, get a bit more aggressive on, on certain Norwich players. But the main reason was it put Baldock to, to a full-back, right-back position. So he was man-marking Hernandez. Mm. And the stats reflect that. Hernandez only completed one successful dribble in the second half, whereas he'd done three or four in the first half. Mm. He didn't. He only had one shot in the second half, and it was from about forty-five yards. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so that, was, that was the one that uh, Henderson, Henderson started yeah. pull-ups on the bar with, wasn't it? Amazing! I love that kid. <laughs> but yeah, that was like ball again. The fullbacks were astonishing. Baldock was absolutely incredible. There was a ball in the first half that was like twenty meters in front of him, rolling out of play, and you're thinking. The kid runs all day. Just don't get after it, George. Just leave it. And he sprints, gets after it, puts across him, wins a corner. And then two minutes later, he's sprinting in his own penalty area. Putting it. He's just, I cannot have enough praise for the wingbacks slash fullbacks on that day because they were astonishing. By the end, Stevens was, was walking wounded. His right knee had gone. I know we saw it after the game. You know, I think it's okay. But and he was getting up and still putting in last ditch tackles to stop crosses. And it, he's coming up against Max Ahrens, who... A lot of people are rating as a twenty million pound right back. Mm. You know, he's been he's been linked with Spurs and Liverpool and Man United. The, the kid's going to be a superstar, and Ender just was all over him. But yeah, Wild has changed just really. The shape solidified us, and it allowed us to start pushing the midfield forward. It freed up Norwood more than anything because Norwood in the second half was imperious. Mm. Um, his, his passing was up. You know, he was starting to play diagonals, and Basham also got on top of their left back in terms of winning the ball high up the pitch. But then the little man came on, didn't he? The little magician, and that changed the game. Yeah, well, what we were talking about last week, you know, the effectiveness of United subs. And yeah, it turns out all you need to do is just start two of our best attackers on the bench and <laughs> bring them on. Absolute genius. But yeah, uh, I'm uh, very happy with that one. I mean, Norwich look like they're going to be, um, you know, automatic potentially or definitely the playoffs. And yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's kind of unlikely that someone's going to poach some of these players now because they don't really need to sell given the amount they got for Madison in the summer. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised how well they're doing, but, uh, yeah, clearly fully deserved. So, yeah, great to go there and get a draw. Um, and obviously two more for Sharp as well, which is uh, that celebration was interesting. I, I don't want to think too much about where he produced that sock from. Actually, I saw him talking about it actually saying he was going to, uh, he was going to remove it at half time because it was annoying him. That's yeah. amazing. I've loved the outcry from that with Mick Foley saying he's now, Billy Sharp is now his favourite player above Pele. <laughs> Pele and Beckenbauer, yeah. <laughs> Beckenbauer. I just want to, I, I know we were trying to move on to the transfer stuff, but just, just on Duffy, I just, I, I was that impressed by that 30, well, 28 minute spell. He created so three key passes most in the game. He created three chances, yeah. obviously the assist, set up loads of things. It was just astonishing, and he looked like he was playing like he had a points proof. But I got I got anal this week, and I had a look at has anyone created that many key passes in 28 minutes, and <laughs> only only one other player had. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but I'd looked all through Sofa Score and who scored for this, and no one has. So <laughs> Mark Duffy it has done something that only one other player had done this season, which is just more credit and strings to the bow of the little magician that is Duffy. Yeah, and that uh, the equalising goal was just, you know, kind of exemplifies, if, if Norwich is first exemplifies what they're about, I think our equaliser exemplifies what we're about as well, you know. We sort of work the ball around their box. Duffy gets the ball on the wing. He's kind of got a defender close to him. So, you know, instead of just trying to wang it into the box, he works it back to McGoldrick, who, who then goes back to Duffy, now has a space across. It's a phenomenal delivery. And of course, Sharps find some space in the in the inside the six yard box and heads it in. I mean, that's that's just our, our team this season in a nutshell, isn't it? You know, kind of be patient, 
wait for the right moment, the right person to cross, and then yeah, find the space and, and finish it off. So yeah, all good stuff. Just like to one more on the Norwich game, just because it's the funniest start. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, so obviously, like aerial duels, you normally expect defenders to win maybe five, six a game. Mm. Strikers might win four, five. Djokovic for Birmingham might win more. Medine just goes and wins 11 aerial jewels. I saw that, yeah. Just like eight more than anyone else on the pitch. Like, to put that in perspective, in terms of the whole game, Norwich won 11 aerial jewels. United won 28. Mm. Obviously, Medine got 11 of them. So if you take Medine's 11 off, it's quite an even game in terms of aerially. Yeah, that, that. our success rate was very high with that as well. Another one on EFL stats is that was the highest um, aerial success rate in the league, 71% this weekend. Uh, the next yeah. highest was 63. So, yeah, not- that was pretty dominant. I'm not surprised because in the second half, the, and this is the brilliant thing about Medine, Norwich stopped challenging him. They actually right. stopped. They dropped off. So any any diagonal that went, and they were diagonals, they weren't lumped. Norwood was playing beautiful diagonal passes. And Medine was just a given time to take it down on his chest and Norwich thought, we'll, we'll defend the second ball because we ain't winning the first one. <laughs> and and that, and that was half the reason Medine got that strike away at the start of the second half. Though, the keeper made a great save from it. Yeah. Brilliant strike. But that they were just nowhere near him. They didn't want anything to do with him. That is the value of having him in the team. Definitely. All right. Should we move on to transfer deadline, transfer window let's, chat? Let's do so, it. So there's quite a lot to talk about, um, and it's it's moving uh, fairly quickly. I mean, I, I sent you these kind of uh, podcast notes, I think, yesterday morning, and since then, much has, uh, if not happened, then been very strongly rumoured and reported in the press. But, yeah, where, where do you want to start? Should we start with... Uh, well, let's start with this Fleck to West Ham thing, shall we? Let's let's quickly talk about this because when I saw this crop up, oh, I should have maybe I can give a polite version of what I sent to you if I can uh, on um, on Twitter, which was a, a direct message. So <laughs> between just between the two of us, but I basically said this sounds ridiculous. I don't understand why on earth. Uh, I think I said something like, I haven't laughed this much since uh, Sunderland fans thought they were signing Billy Sharp. And then it obviously <laughs> comes out, oh, no, no, wait, the bid is real. So if anybody has no idea what we're talking about, West Ham apparently bid £4 million for John Fleck, which we have rejected. As far as uh, as far as far I'm aware, that is the end of the story so far, although you would have to think that it's probably not the end of the story. It just doesn't make sense to me on many levels, I guess. For starters... Sorry, this is this is quite an inarticulate way of approaching this subject. I think. <laughs> but here we go. First thing, I think Fleck is brilliant. I don't think he's been as good this season as last season. That said, I certainly don't think he's been as bad as um, I see a lot of people saying. He's yeah. also very, very important to us. And he would be extremely difficult to replace. It'd be particularly difficult to replace in 48 hours, which is basically what we would have had left at that point. The other side of it is I don't really think he's good enough for the Premier League yet, and I'm surprised that West Ham would be that keen on trying to sign him. I get that four million is absolutely nothing to a Premier League team, but you know, Flex twenty seven, so you know, he's probably at the kind of peak of his abilities at this point. He's unlikely to improve dramatically. So yeah, when when I saw this crop up, I was like, Oh, that is absolute nonsense. You know, that is just that is just Sky or whoever making up a rumour to try and get some clicks, basically. And then we're surprised to see that there was some truth behind it. But yeah, he's, uh, we've rejected the bid. I'm sure West Ham will probably come back with a slightly improved one. I wouldn't be totally shocked if uh, Fleck ends up with a, another new contract because um, <laughs> he signed his most recent one in uh, September 2017. But um, 
yeah, I, I'd be I'd be stunned if he leaves us now. What I could see is uh, is him going in the summer, depending on you know what division we're in. But I, mm-hmm. I would be amazed if we sold him now. And I, I get the sort of default position for United fans, particularly on Twitter, is like, oh my god, you know, the board are going to ruin this for us again. But I just I just don't I don't see it at all this time. Um, you know, we didn't sell Jack O'Connell when. Uh, Brighton came in with some very legitimate and you know sizable, if not in the ballpark that we would want kind of bids, and I think this will be the same sort of thing. We will just say, you know, this is with no insider knowledge whatsoever. We will just say no. Is we we don't want to sell him unless it's a ridiculous amount of money because he's very important to us, regardless of how well his performance levels have been uh, in the last few weeks, few months, and uh, it'll be very very difficult to replace for the amount of money that we'd presumably get in. So yeah. What do you think about it? Uh, Flex going to go nowhere. <laughs> that was a very, uh, very curiously constructed sentence. There. Flex going to go nowhere. Yeah, no, Flex. No, Flex not going to. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, I agree with you. There'll be a new contract at the end of it, most likely. Um, I see West Ham today are linked with a loan move for Danny Drinkwater from Chelsea. So. Mm. That would be that, I guess. You know, they're obviously looking for a ball-playing midfielder. If they get one, they, that will end that interest. I would imagine that they were. I mean, this this is West Ham, right? So their transfer strategy is about as consistent as a drunk man. <laughs> I can say like, it's very, very they, random. They go and sign. You know, they, they're on about signing a forty million pound player from Spain. He was actually bloody brilliant, Maxi Lopez. Um, Samir Nasri plays for them. Yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought but he retired they, in like 2014. Yeah, yeah, I failed the drugs test. I but, um, but then last year they went and signed Jordan Hugill from Preston, who's 26, God. and that's the first time he'd ever scored goals at the championship level, and they signed him for £10 million. Yeah. This, where, this where is West, he's not even there anymore, is he? Or is he on loan at Middlesbrough? On loan at Borough, yeah. Right. But this this is West Ham. This, I mean, he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But this, is, this is West Ham. This is what West Ham do. They just... Random strategies. I, I, look, the bid was real. We know that. Star reported it. If you ask Danny Hall, he's quite happy to tell you. You know, big ears. All reporters know. So the club have let them know it is real. I, I don't think West Ham are going to come back with the money we want. I don't profess to know what we want, but I can imagine it's not below seven, eight million quid mm. because that is starting to get into the realms of business-wise silly money. You know, yeah. John Fleck. John Fleck isn't worth eight million. That's what. That's what our asking price would be. But is he actually worth that? At 27, probably not. I agree with you. I think I, I love Fleck, um, but this is his level. Yeah. I'm not sure he goes a level above. You can never say that, and it'd be unfair to say he won't, but I'm not sure he does what he does in this league, the level above. And he has had some inconsistencies this year. I think I put a thread out about what he does bring, though, being quite unique um, yeah. in terms of ball carries and dribbles and passes in the final third to, you know, just a standard kind of data look using Y Scout or whatever Instat. You look around the similar players, and you're talking big money. Basically, you know, only John McGinn and Jack Grealish are, are anywhere near what Fleck does. So, th- you know, you can see why they'd be interested in him because he's got a unique skill set. But mm. I, I would be extremely surprised if he went anywhere. I agree with you. There'll be a new contract. The summer's something else for United to deal with. We've got a lot of good players um, who will be of interest to Premier League clubs. Mm. But that's the summer. Let's deal with that if and when it comes and we're not promoted. Yeah. But well, the, I, 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 he won't go anywhere. Not this. Not now. Not with 24 hours to go. No. Yeah. The thing with Fleck is, uh, 
you know, it brings that balance to our team of, uh, you know, a left-footed player playing on the, uh, you know, the left side of that three or the, you know, the, the deeper of the three. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, we kind of said it earlier, we're talking about Dowell, how he just, you know, just didn't know what he was supposed to be doing in, in our structure. This guy very much knows what he's supposed to be doing in our structure because yeah. he's been a massively successful part of it for uh, two and a half years. And, I think and that's well. going to be so hard to replace. I think as well, I just want to say, I get, so I get, I'm frustrated with Fletcher more than most. I've said it on this pod before because I, I see what, not only in the data, but I watch the video, I see what he brings and he is, the second half of last season, him and Jack Grealish were by far and away the best two players in the division apart from Mitrovic at full. Yeah. Right. And he's a cheat code anyway because he's on 60 grand a week or whatever. So it's just <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. And Grealish is a 30 million pound player that just decided to stay. You know, he's a Premier League player whether we like him or not. So mm. John Flex in a, in a crowd there that, is well beyond his, his wage and he's where he should be. So that's my frustration. I think he can do more. But United fans have got this really weird thing with Fleck where I think we, you know, it's fair to want him to do more and be frustrated when he doesn't, but then we're not giving him credit for what he is doing. Who played the pass on Saturday for Stevens in around the back? That yeah. Fleck. You know, there's a stat that does, it's called scoring contribution. That's what I call it. It basically looks at passes before the pass that sets up a goal. Mm-hmm. John Fleck's John Fleck's got the most in the team. He's got one of the highest in the league at that. Mm. So, because he's not directly getting assists, because he's not dancing around five people or banging it from 25 yards in the top corner, is he really having a bad season? Or is it that he's not doing some of the things that he can do, but he's doing a lot of good things as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm mystified by it, to be honest, as a you know, as a kind of, oh, he's, he's been really poor and we should drop him. I mean, apart from anything else, and this is, again, why I don't think we will sell him, the backup options are not yeah. encouraging to me. You know, from what I've seen yeah. of Coots, he, he doesn't look fit to be starting these games yet. Um, no. You know, after that, you're into into Lundstrom, who I won't be shocked if uh, if we actually end up moving him on this this transfer window if an opportunity arises. Wouldn't surprise me particularly at all. Um, so yeah, that would just be a massive mistake, I think. So. I, I have faith that it's not going to happen, uh, at least not until the summer, and uh, everyone can just chill out, hopefully, in uh, in a little over 24 hours' time when the uh, transfer window closes. Um, all right, let's 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 move on then. So uh, that's a player who's not going to be leaving. Should we talk about uh, a player who probably is going to be arriving, and that is Scott Hogan on loan from Aston Villa. So this is... Uh, I guess we, we tried to sign him in the summer from from what I can understand. Um, yep. In fact, did we try and sign him last January? I can't remember now. It feels like he's been linked to us for a long time. I wouldn't have thought so because he was injured. Right, okay, obviously not then. Um, but yeah, this is now pretty widely reported. Striker from Villa on loan. Uh, I understand he's on fairly chunky wages. Not sure how much of those we're going to be paying. But yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about the kind of player he is then. So he, he moved from uh, Brentford to Villa. Uh, he's, from what I understand, he is this kind of quite pacey sort of just a, a very very good finisher really you know obviously got a, a good record at a championship level and yeah another great option for us to kind of to add to our, our striking options I suppose um, yeah do you want to just quickly uh, quickly give the lowdown on Scott Hogan yeah so I watched him a lot when he was at Rochdale um, before he went to Brentford where he scored again what he does is he's never scored a, a bag full of goals so if you look at like a Wikipedia page you never see 25 or 30 or anything but look at his goal to game ratio it's really good mm. you know it's, it's that one in two mark of a very good striker generally until this filler period where injuries have definitely affected him but he's a penalty box striker he's, he's a different one to Sharp so whereas Sharp relies on a bit of know-how 
um, and, and just generally being in the right place at the right time with nice, you know, nice movements off the back of defenders. Hogan's more of a nippy player, so he's going to nip in front of defenders at the near post. He's he's um, he's a bit more of a link player as well, so he's quite good at those little one-twos around the corners. He's quite, as you said, he's pacey, but he's dynamic. He's quite good at moving off the shoulder mm. and just doing those intricate runs in behind the defender or around the front of the defender. But he's really good at doing that around the penalty box. He doesn't need a lot of open space. This is what Wilder's been talking about. You know, Fans saying we need pace as a plan B. Mm, not really. You know, if it was just that easy, then Connor Washington would be starting every week because he's yeah. fast. You know, <laughs> it, it needs, we have the ball in the final third. There isn't a lot of space to run into. Even when we played Norwich at the weekend, there wasn't a lot of space because we dominated the possession in the second half in terms of territory. Mm. What it what it needs is it needs clever runs. It needs people who can run around, you know, open up gaps of centre-halves. And he's really good at that. Um, watched a lot of him when he was at Brentford. He was very good. I can see why Villa paid what they did. They did overpay, but he's very good. Um I'd be hazarding a guess that if people are worried about sizable wages, I don't think we're paying all them at all. Mm. Uh, the reason for that is Villa are, they've offloaded Balassi for 70 grand a week, um, back back off loan. They're trying to offload absolutely anyone because they are desperate to get in some Premier League players on loan to cover yeah, their midfield right, and defence. Yeah. So if you have a look at Sky Sports this morning, they've got bids in for Nathaniel Chalaber, they've got bids in for centre-halves in the Premier League, just got bids in everywhere. Mm. Um they they need wage bill manoeuvre because they're close to FFP either this season or next. So yeah. it's uh, and that's fact. That's not guessing. So I would imagine there is because of Hogan now not playing at all under the the, the idea was Dean Smith comes in who had Hogan at Brentford and things change for Hogan. But I think he's had a couple of appearances not happening at all. He's on a decent wage and they need to get him out of the club. So I think there's you know there's an opportunity for us there to to exploit that. And I think Wild is extremely good at that. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I looked. He's been a bit, uh, well, literally on the sidelines at Villa. I think he's, um, I think he's played something like thirty minutes in the le- basically since November, and he's Correct. been he's been kind of in the team for basically yeah. every game apart from the last couple. Uh, but he's just not even been coming off the bench apart from for like two or three minutes. So, yeah, good opportunity for well for him and us. I suppose it's the uh, the ideal loan move, really. But yeah, the other one, um, the other one is uh, Leon Clark. Is supposedly on his way. In fact, everyone's everyone's written their obituaries on uh, on Clark on, on social media. It seems to be possibly jumping the gun a little bit, but um, from no. the, the latest rumor is he's uh, leaving on loan to Wigan, possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, I wrote something which uh, you can find on my Twitter, which uh, I basically just reproduced from the Demblades fanzine, which is essentially a very deep dive into. Uh, Leon Clark's ridiculous last season where he scored a shed load of goals, including some very famous ones at Hillsborough, of course, and just basically had a a season that he will probably never forget. And as yeah, as a United fan, I don't think I will either. And it was quite nice kind of dipping back into that and looking at some of his uh some of the kind of goals he scored and you know, I, I think we almost forget in a way, even though it was only last season, you know, uh the the speed of movement that he had in terms of getting on the end of crosses and like picking up the ball on halfway and driving forward into the box and having a shot. And yeah, I've got nothing but um you know, nothing but fond memories of uh of him playing for United, so if he does go wherever he does go, you know, wish him wish him lots of luck, and hopefully he'll be scoring goals against uh, every team apart from United. I mean, if he if he goes to Wigan, as rumored, then obviously we've played them twice already. So uh, yeah. yeah, do your stuff, Leon. 
that's that's a thing that people haven't thought about actually i was thinking about this myself i'm glad you brought that up this, this could be a very clever transfer i i, I was actually okay so preempting the move i think we all know it's happening mm-hmm. I, you know while they didn't confirm it but he alluded to as much as the weekend by saying there's offers in it's going to be quite difficult for leon you know it, it's one of these transfer windows where we need to move one out to move one in yeah it's as simple as that and, and the one coming in had a medical yesterday, it looks like, according to everything that you read. So yeah. the one going out is, is happening. And I, I saw a bit of wig on Twitter because I think the crack is, is that they are moving Will Grigg to Sunderland. Hmm. Um, so they are bringing Clark in, Will Grigg out. And I'm seeing people, you know, oh, why are we getting Leon Clark in? Because he played there before. He celebrated there before as well in front of their home fans quite, as he does Leon. It's <laughs> quite... quite he, love, he loves to wind people, doesn't he? But And I was just, you know, I saw some of the reactions. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to weigh in here. I was a bit emotional about Leon. You know, I'm happy <laughs> I'm happy that we're bringing Hogan in. I'm happy that Leon's not going, but I'm happy, you know, that we're, we're doing a good turnover to the squad and improving it. But Leon's been a brilliant character for us. Yeah. He's not just been a good player. He seems to be a genuinely great character as well. Um, and I was just talking to a Wigan fan saying, you, you don't understand what you're getting. You're looking at his age and the journeyman type tag. What you're actually getting is he's fitter than ever. Mm. Which even now, you know, and he's had some injuries this season. He, he's he's still fitter than ever. He's got two good feet. He's big and strong. He can move. And quite frankly, last season, I mean, he was the top English goalscorer in the well, top goalscorer in the Champions League. If you take away Champions League, <laughs> top goalscorer in the Championship. If you take away penalties, yeah, you know, Vidra got two more, but they were penalties. So yeah, yeah, you, know, you forget that he scored 19 goals from open play. You know, or at least from you know free kicks or open play. The, the man. He's a very good striker. And it just so happens that we are building a promotion team. And yeah. he is probably slightly below promotion level, but he's bloody well good enough for this league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that's, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because I wanted to just call back to this as well. Like, on the face of it, this is a, a very promising transfer window. You know, yes. let's assume Hogan signs and Fleck doesn't leave and no one else uh, in our first team leaves then we, you know, there's, there's obviously no guarantees this is going to work, but we have really strengthened in this month. And, you know, we've given ourselves an excellent chance within our um, financial means, I guess, you know, to, to to actually finish in the top two. You know, as I say, no guarantee that's going to happen, of course. But, yeah, this this is very, very encouraging to me. And I, I just want to – sorry, go on. Guys, I was just I, – I probably on this point you're going to make now. I just – I was talking to a fan earlier and I was saying – Take West Brom out of the equation because they've just got a ridiculous attack. Yeah. Right. In terms of variety and, and quality within that, I would say we're now in the top two or three teams in the division for forwards. I would say so too. It's going to be four. Is it four? I might even be five. Four. Certainly four excellent forwards. You've got the, you know, sharp. I don't think we need to say much more no, at this no. point. Yeah, McGoldrick, extremely clever. You know, uh, can almost drop into a number ten kind of role. Is a link player who who now scores goals as well. Uh, very integral to our team. Medine is this you know, I don't know battering rams uh, a crude descriptor, but I'll, I'll use that as a shorthand for the time being. And then you've got Hogan, who as you say, another penalty box striker. And any four, any of that combination, any two of those, any one of those, or even three, I guess, that's going to be good enough to start for us, I think, unless something goes disastrously wrong. And yeah, that's that's a serious evolution from where we were a few months ago, I think. I mean, the, the thing I was just about to say was, um, and I completely forgot this until I, we were talking yesterday, but we went into the season. So when the season kicked off, we only had Sharp 
uh, McGoldrick and Clark as our strikers. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I don't think this is uh, revising history particularly to say there were some question marks about whether Sharp was going to be able to score many goals this season. I don't think anybody expected us to have, uh, sorry, anybody expected him to have 18 goals by the end of January or 16 <laughs> by Christmas or whatever the heck it was. You know, I, I think you'd be extremely optimistic to have had that point of view. So, so that was a bit of a question mark. You know, he's in his 30s. Is he going to be able to do it? Clark, you know, we were all kind of saying, well, brilliant as he was last season, he's, he's kind of primed for regression this year, you know. It's very unlikely he's going to score nine goals in three games or whatever it was last year. You know, it's probably not. You know, we we talked about it. We need to kind of replace Leon's goals. Um, and then you had McGoldrick, who you know was let go by Ipswich, uh, patchy injury record. Some United fans I saw were pretty annoyed that we even give him a trial. To be honest, instead of you know splashing the cash on somebody like Waghorn or something like that, that was our three striking options going into the start of the season. You know, for the first three games, essentially, maybe even a bit longer. Whereas right now we have these four either bang in form or potentially extremely good for this level strikers. That is a great position to be in. And we're already in a good position in the league. So here we go. Bring it on. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, added Washington at the end of August as a, as yeah. a pace option. and he was the, he's a Donaldson option, isn't he? That, you know, he's done his job. He, he's he's set a couple of goals up at Brentford and got helped three points there. He's just there to basically, if needed, um, and that, that's nothing against Connor. He's just not. He'll probably get. I could actually see maybe him going as well. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know anything, but again, in the next twenty four hours, do we need five strikers? I know we play two. We probably don't. You could say McGoldrick might be a ten as well if, if there's an injury or something. So maybe we keep him, but you know he could go. But that that yeah. I, I take West Brom out because that is ridiculous. Yeah, there's better starting strikers, Milner Morpe, Abraham, you know, Pookie. But in terms of a unit, a striking unit who you can reverse in and out for different things, different mm. games, different varieties, I don't think there's many sides we're better for. Yeah. There really isn't. Because a lot of sides in this division have a great starting one or a decent two, but don't have much behind it. <sighs> We've got depth and, and I think we none of us know what's happening above, right? You can read people who do know. And they do know if you read an Alan Biggs article, he does know, and there is a mess going on above. So I will say you've got to give the board a bit of credit. Mm. But what I will say is you've got to give all the credit to Mitch, Chris Wilder, Alan Nil, because how they continue to find ways to get great players into this team on a tiny budget and by trading and by mixing things up and exploiting a team situation so that we get players on wages that, you know, people think are big, but we're actually not paying that much. Mm. It, he should be negotiating Brexit. He should, <laughs> because uh, how, how, how he gets these deals over the line, I don't know. Mm. Honestly, I, don't, I honestly don't know how we have managed to do that evolution in six months when we are potless. Because yeah. we are, <laughs> you know. And it's just he, Norwood for two million. You know the Evans that we spoke about that before. This, if I agree with him, if he had money, he'd be. Oh, so can you imagine what he would do? Yeah, I know. We're, we're talking Borussia Dortmund levels of recruitment if he had money. That, <laughs> You know, signing someone for four million and they're worth eighty within a year. He's that good, but I am excited. I am very excited, and I guess there's question. I've seen questions about you know Scott Hogan injury record. Well, the same was said from McGoldrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we clearly do something right at United. Touchwood, because that could always go wrong anytime soon. But we clearly do something right. We have a good team, and we clearly do something right. And confidence probably plays a part in that as well. I always think that there's a mental side to injury as well. I think. Um, you know, and and McGoldrick's what? He's probably played more minutes than most. He looks yeah. as fit as a fiddle. You know, Clark did the same. 
Clark's had lots of spells out injured before he came to us and he's fit as a fiddle, generally. You know, the, Hogan could come in here and he, he could be a good flop, but we've got the other three. Or yeah. he could be absolutely outstanding and be that one thing that we don't have. So I'm and, excited. And if he does flop, then loan ends in the summer, on we get. Correct. It could, it exactly works out that. pretty well, really. It, um, it is. I don't like loans. Me and you, we play, play football manager, so we think we know everything. We don't like loans. I like permanent transfers. I like to own a player because then I have the value. So if mm. they perform, we have the value and the benefit. But actually, you know, this window, these loans are perfect. I think in January up, they really are, especially for us where we, we genuinely don't know what division we're going to be in next season. We don't know where yeah. we're going to need to replace, upgrade, whatever. Makes perfect got, sense for me. I mean, I've got no denying. If we bring Hogan in, it's most likely, if we don't pay his full wages, it's, it'll be because it's a loan with a permanent if we go up, like Medine. Right. I, I think that's what it'll be. Because I would think that, you know, if you go to Aston Villa and say, right, he's on 35, we'll pay 20. If you pay the 50, for example... So that's not breaking our wage structure too much. I can imagine a couple of our players are up on 12, 15s now. You know, and you say that, but then you say, if we go up, we'll give you six million for him in the summer or yeah. eight or 10. You know, that is a club as Aston Villa, you're going to say yes, aren't you? Because then you can get rid of asset now and maybe in the future as well. So it's put us in, I think our league position has put us in a position to get these players in because we're an attractive prospect because of the football we play and the chances we create. Yep. Um, you know, our style matches Hogan's style at Brentford where he was imperious. Mm. So don't don't forget that either. You know, he went to Aston Villa, but they under Bruce, they played a very direct crossing style for a five foot five striker. Yeah. We we cross a lot, but ours is not crossing that's just whipped in from anywhere, as the weekend proved. We manoeuvre defences around so that when the cross comes, it's to a perfect, you know, unmarked man generally. That's what we try and do. So I, I am very excited. Excellent. Well, let's just uh, quickly before we finish up then uh, talk about the next game, which is Bolton at home. Now, Bolton are... <laughs> well, sorry, Bolton fans. Bolton are not a good team by any <laughs> measure you wish to use. This one uh, this one blew my mind. It's the most obvious measure, but uh, I only noticed it last night. Do you know, without looking, how many goals they've scored this season? No, not without looking. So they've played 29 games, have a guess. 20, no, 35? <laughs> They've scored 19 goals in 29 wow. games. I had to look, I looked at this like three or four times to try and make sure I was definitely looking at the right column. What's <laughs> even more remarkable is they are not bottom. Ipswich are somehow worse than them. Yeah. I, I don't know how that's possible. 19 goals, so that's one more than Sharp. And that's only because they <laughs> managed to get a goal last night. But yeah, I mean... Unsurprisingly, you know, in for goals, expected table has them as them twenty seconds, pretty much right around where they actually are. Twenty uh, third for shots per game, twenty third shots on target. Uh, they allow the fifth most shots. They create the twenty third highest amount of uh, chances. Uh, yeah, they're they're just uh, not a good attacking or defending team, and they that's why they're right down at the bottom of the league. And yeah, they're not even good at set pieces anymore. I know this as well. No. Yeah, the, the joint fewest goals in the league from set pieces. So, yeah. Weird, uh, weirdly, I've watched them a few times as they've been on Sky. And I don't think they're ever... Because they are quite defensive and quite direct, and the games generally, even good teams who play them, don't look that good. Yeah. They, they're never really out of a game. So well, I've this, never seen This them... is the word of caution, isn't it? This is going to be a game where we'll more than likely need to be patient Yes, uh, and you know, probably just rely on creating a couple of good chances rather than it being a an absolute onslaught. I mean, it could shake out very similar to the uh, 
the Wednesday game at home and yeah hopefully we can just break them down this time but yeah as you say they'll probably they kind of hang around in games they're, defensively they're not they're not horrific I think it's um yeah 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 they're sort of the, the mid table for mid-table. like a defensive XG, uh, XG against yeah um but yeah they just offer nothing as an attacking force generally no no I mean the, the, this is no criticism because I loved him when he played for us because he's just a cool character but I think Clayton Donaldson's plays just about every minute up front for them you know uh, they yeah, I, they're not gonna they might score but they're not gonna press much but yeah, I've just watched them. I've seen a lot of games. They lose by one or two, mm. and normally the two is quite late on. If you see what I mean, I mean they went to Norwich and, and nearly did Norwich actually. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. They they came back to two two, and then Norwich stole it in the last minute. But it's just patience. It's like the Millwall uh, game. It's like a QPR game. It's just gonna, you know it's going to be patience. They're, they're yeah. clearly going to come for a point because they're scrapping for their lives. Um, they're going to go direct because that's what they do, or they're just going to give it Amiobi and hope he dances around four people and puts it in the top corner. Yeah, so I, I think we I think we owe them as well. I mean, even though we beat them uh, yes. earlier in the season, they they won a immensely frustrating game at Bramall Lane. Uh, I believe it was sort of around New Year last yeah. season. Gary uh, Medine, Gary Medine scored the goal. So I mean, obviously he's going to be a, a big threat on Saturday. So we need to try and take him out of the game. As oh wait, there we go. Problem solved. <laughs> Easy game. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we definitely we definitely owe them a bit for that one. I think. I mean. Uh, I actually went back and watched the highlights of that one again today, and God, we missed some chances in that game. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we battered. <laughs> it was, yeah, it we was an anomaly of a defeat, but frustrating all the same. And yeah, I guess that's the game plan for them. But yeah, now we have uh, four very good strikers. I think then, uh, yeah, hopefully we can just uh, pick a pick them apart and uh, have a nice, comfortable win. It's a huge game as well. I know they all are. Uh, I'm not going to be all them fans as well. This is season-defining. Everything's season-defining. Yeah, we're but these games against lower table teams are almost yes. going to be season-defining. They are, because if we win these games, then we can go to teams like Norwich on Saturday and a point is great. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even losing isn't that bad. That, and that, that's that's the key here, because everyone's going to... I mean, Norwich should play in Leeds this weekend. The way. They are, yeah. Uh, that's presumably, That's an early kickoff, right? I think so. Not. I was. I've got a good Norwich oh, friend. Actually. Kickoff, actually. Oh, evening. Okay. Yeah. I've got a good Norwich friend actually. And this is the last of their real top six fixtures. They got one more after this. Middlesbrough, I think. Um, mm. But other than that, they're okay. Whereas Leeds have still got West Brom to play. Still got us to play. We've still uh-huh. got us. You know, we've still got West Brom to play and Leeds to play um, mm. and Middlesbrough to play. So we, we have. You know, there's a difficult run in there, definitely. But if we can just take points from these home games, these games like Bolton, where, you know, on paper, you have to win. United have to win this game. We need to make sure we win these games because if we win this game at the weekend and there's a draw between Leeds and Norwich, right back in it. I mean, yeah. we're in it anyway, but you know what I mean? Right back in it. And it would be nice to keep that nice cushion from seventh as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, you know, very it, much it, so. Uh, anytime we're more than two games above seventh, I always just feel better because mm. in this in this league people do put three or four together and you can easily lose three or four and we need not to lose our heads if that happens yeah. this is going to you know there's a long way to go still but after you know 30 games we're here so there's good reason to say after 46 we'll be there <laughs> hope so i mean it's going to be interesting what they do with the uh, well particularly with the attack in this game actually united that is i mean uh, the one thing that bolton are very good at uh, is uh, is winning the ball in the air, number 1 in the league um, and also blocked shots as well, so it kind of shows you how they kind of pack the defence in that regard. But yeah, I mean, I, I would go back to uh, the the well, what I would consider the A team to be honest. Get you know, 
Duffy, McGoldrick, and Sharp as your your attacking three personally, and yeah, just yeah. try and uh, try and pin them in, basically like we did against Wednesday when we would have won that game nine times out of ten, I think. Yeah, and, no, uh, you know, just rely on the extra quality. hundred percent, hundred percent. The good thing about us again, teams like this, is and I know we've all been frustrated when we've not quite broke down a low block, but generally we play with the ball in the final third anyway. Yeah, and be- because of our overlapping centre backs and yada yada yada, um, we. We're okay, I think, opening teams up like this. I, I think of teams, certain teams, and I think they need teams to. If you play Middlesbrough and play with a low block, generally they're quite poor. Yeah, you know, they they don't really have much to break you down with. It's either an individual moment of brilliance or just something random, you know, like a set piece. They 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 can't break you down. Whereas we're quite good at creating chances from open play. It's just if we can finish. Yeah, you know, so I, I think we're, we're fine against teams like this. I'm not concerned if. Mid- bolt and go and sit 11 players in their 18 yard box we're used to that that's how yeah. we play we, we invite that and that's why I would play Duffy because Dal is your option if it's not working as is something different but that, this is a game for Mark Duffy we're not going to be much defending going on there's not going to be much space this is where Duffers shines basically it's where Sharp shines and it is where I'd play McGoldrick because this is where you need someone who can open someone up with a bit of magic so definitely that's what I'm looking forward to it's, been, it's going to be three weeks between home games so I'm, I'm itching to get back to the lane uh, particularly after yeah after after coming back from the disappointing defeat at Swansea to get a very good point at Norwich. Um, all right, mate. Sorry, you're slightly slightly overrun there. Anything else you want to just quickly tick off before we finish up, or no. all good? No, all good, mate. That's fine. That's all good. Uh, just uh, yeah, hope we win, and let's hope it's a good 24 hours in terms of incomings, not outgoing. <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, a good a good outgoings is yeah, no more outgoings yeah. apart from. Uh, Apart from Clark, I guess, which is just a good move. Good move for him. And yeah, as we said, he's going to be well down the pecking order now. So yeah, let's hope we're not doing an emergency podcast uh, <laughs> Friday morning because we've sold everybody. And, uh, a therapy session. Yeah, let's, let's, let's avoid that. Let's just instead concentrate on Bolton, hopefully get a win, and uh, come back next week with, uh, with, with a, a reliving of that one. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. Cheers, buddy. Thanks very much. I will, uh, I'll speak to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.